0: So yeah, Father God, I want to thank you for Phil, I want to thank you for the message that you've laid in his heart this morning. I pray as we um, hear these words, as we hear what you want to speak in and through him, I pray, Lord God, that we'll be receptive to hear what you have for us this morning. In your name we pray these things. Amen. 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 Thanks, Jamie. Thanks a lot. Morning, everyone. Nice to see you uh, this morning. That was a good good morning back. Thank you for that. Very good. And uh, yeah, we... um, Early on in the year, start the year, still quite early in the year, isn't it? Um, did this series, Time, Talent and Treasure. And uh, I'm adding a fourth one, uh, beginning with T, which is incredibly clever. And throughout the year, might do some more T's. Right? Yeah, we'll see. Here we go. Uh, and Togetherness. And the title is called Better Together. Now, just as we kind of get into this, I'm going to ask you a question. Who is possibly the most famous person that you have Come across or kind of engaged with. I'm not going to kind of ask for uh, answers. Uh, and I was thinking about this as well. And um, as I think back, and this is not name dropping by the way, um, I think that I've had lunch with Billy Graham. Okay, there's 12,000 people there, but we all had lunch together. But, you know, but you know, but we had lunch with Billy Graham. Okay, okay. But, you know, did. In Birmingham, the NEC, lunch with Billy Graham, all had a packed lunch. No expense spared. Didn't even have to bring your own. There we go. Um, had coffee with Sir Cliff Richard. Okay, we had coffee in the same room. I was... Um, I was a steward at one of his concerts when I was 16, and uh, I think he did look at me as he walked past. And he's very good. He's very engaging. He was very good. Had dinner with um, Jonathan Edwards, the triple jump. You remember Jonathan Edwards won a gold medal, and some of you are shaking your head. This was a long time ago. And he did. He had dinner at our house. Wendy cooked him dinner. I know. Wendy often cooks dinner. (laughs) Wow, no, no. Now, a friend of mine, a friend of mine, um, called Andrew Rawlinson, used to be a head teacher at school in Northumberland, and um, went to be a Baptist minister in Scotland. And um, the Queen of England, and, well, the UK, yeah, anyway, we won't get into that. She occasionally, the Commonwealth, we'll just say Commonwealth, occasionally goes up to Scotland, doesn't she? I don't know if you knew that. And um, what happens is, now you know that she's a committed Christian, right, you do know that. So occasionally, what will happen if she's away for the weekend or a few days, they'll invite a minister to come and be a chaplain on the estate for the few days that they were there. And on this particular occasion, called him a friend, Andrew Rollinson, and uh, he's a yeah, knew him quite well, was invited to be the chaplain for the Queen while she was there on her I think it's Balmoral, isn't it, in Scotland? Yeah, yeah. At Balmoral. So he arrives not knowing what... So, so He was expected to do a, over the few days to do some devotionals with the Queen. So he arrived and he didn't know what to do, so he had this really nice room to be put in and he says, well actually the first event that's going to happen today... Is that at 5 p.m. there's going to be a barbecue at Balmoral? So he comes down at 5 o'clock and he he goes out into the courtyard and there's this row of Land Rovers. And so he just said, he didn't know what to do. So somebody was there, knew what was going on. He said, You need to go and sit in the passenger seat of this this particular Land Rover. And so he went and sat in the the Land Rover. It happened to be at the front. So he sits there for five minutes thinking, What's going to happen? All the Land Rovers behind us started their engine, so he's, go, he's going to be driving my Land Rover. So sitting there for five minutes, and all of a sudden the Queen comes and jumps in next to him, <laughs> turns on the ignition, puts it in reverse, no she didn't put it in reverse, <laughs> and drives him to this barbecue. It's great, isn't it? I really like that. And and there he was, you know, doing these devotions throughout this week with the Queen of the Commonwealth. The Maj- Majesty, one-to-one, that's amazing, isn't it? I thought, you know, it's better than my name dropping, that's for sure. But there's something amazing, isn't there, that um, we can have one-to-one time with God himself. You know, we can have one-to-one time with the Lord Himself and, and sometimes, you know, we have to remind ourselves that the, the level of privilege, don't we? The level of invitation to come before him one-to-one. So this um, well-being series, God's plan for our well-being, uh, is a 50-day um, series of devotions. We've mentioned that uh, several times. Delighted at the amount of people who have bought the book, and uh, I think it's the 23rd of February. We're all going to start together. Some of you have probably read half of it already. I know what you like, so that's absolutely fine. Um, but if you want to get a book for £5, that would be fantastic. We're 50 days with, with God, and uh, some of you do that already, uh, have your own quiet times, but this is something that can supplement that. So we have this privilege, this incredible invitation of coming together with God one to one. But Scripture also tells us that God has ordained it, that we're better together. So we have this one-to-one encounter with God, but there's there's something about the Christian faith that, that it's better when we are together. So the phrase in the New Testament, one another, appears 50 times in the New Testament. Fifty times it says about one another. Phrases that are instructing believers in how they can cultivate relationships amongst themselves that can enhance their walk with God, that we're better together. And in Acts chapter 2 is one of the um, portions of Scripture that just describes how amazing it is when believers can be together. And this is talking about the early church. So we're going to look at a few verses from Acts chapter 2. Very familiar verses, if you're familiar with the New Testament. And they're indicative of what was going on in the early church. So I'm going to read from verse 42 to 47. It's just a few verses, but it's just extraordinary uh, what is going on here. And it's amazing sometimes, isn't it, how just a few verses captivates so much of what is going on and what is awesome. So, Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, it says this. So they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, Jamie, did just as an aside at the start of the service, those of you kind of were here um, at that point, talked about how 600 young people were Hales Owing, Edom Church, uh, last night, and young people from different Edom youth groups were there, uh, 600, and about 32 responded to become Christians, which is fantastic, isn't it? Now, let me say this. I reckon, only because of my experience in the past, that it wasn't just to do with the speaker. Now, I hope the speaker's encouraged and thinking, 32 responded. But let me say this, one of the reasons they responded is because they saw 600 people worship Jesus. And there's something about being in that environment that captivates people that they see, that I can see this in people. So there's something about being together that captivates the mission of the church. And here it says, doesn't it, and the Lord added to their number daily. Daily they were being added to. This Christian community, these believers communion. And Acts 2, somebody says, tells us that this community of believers, this church offered unbelievers a vision of life that was so beautiful, it took their breath away. It was so bold, so creative, so dynamic that they couldn't resist it. Now, I can honestly say that one of the major reasons that I became a Christian is because I saw God in other people. There's no doubt about it, Now, the message was important, but because I saw the reality of God in other people, it really made a big difference. And wouldn't it be wonderful that, you know, if God added to our number daily those who are being saved, it's because of this Christian community, how they operated, how they connected, was a powerful witness to the world around them. It was estimated that by the close of the apostolic period, that is when the apostles kind of died... After that period, they reckoned that the number of Christian disciples had reached half a million. Now, that is incredible within a few short years, the level of impact that this Christian community was making. They met in order to be transformed and to bring about transformation. Now, I'm going to mention this Greek word Ecclesia. Now preachers shouldn't, you know, I used to get really bored when preachers are preaching, just talk about all oh, the Greek translation of this and the Greek translation of that. I'm not going to do a lot of it, but Ecclesia is a Greek word that I'm going to mention. And it simply means this, the gathering of the summoned, that's the Ecclesia. It means the, the meeting of the people. So in church terms, as you go through your Christian life, if you here the word Ecclesia, basically what he's saying is the gathering of the people. So if he says for a church, what's your Ecclesia? He's saying, you know, what kind of gatherings do you have? When do you come together? What's it like? It's, you know, it's the Ecclesia. So I want you to remember that. Is that all right? Just say to yourself, Ecclesia. Yeah, people will do anything when they're uh, told to. When they anyway. So we have the worldwide church, don't we? And then we have the ecclesia, the, the gathering of the you know, churches all around the world. And it says that, you know, back in uh, Acts chapter 2, they had their ecclesia. It says in verse 46, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. Now that's, that's I mean, that's every day. What that really means in the English is that they met every day. Every day that they met in the temple courts as a big gathering. It's because it was one of the only places that was large enough. Now, we do know that some had bigger houses and you could meet 120 in the upper rooms because that's what it was like back then, some of them. But, but most of them couldn't, so they met in the temple courts. And they met every day. And it says that the first Christians understood that a decision to follow Jesus also included a decision to make the church the hub of their world we're not just signing up to follow Jesus we're signing up to, to gather together to be the body of Christ there was no isolated family members and the Bible and Paul does say doesn't he, he Say, don't get in the habit of not meeting together as some are getting to the habit of doing don't go into that habit and and they had this habit of meeting Together Now, some of you are thinking meeting every day is a bit scary. I can understand that. But it just says don't get in the habit of not meeting together. Now, they were a very important point in history. I mean, this was the start of the church, for goodness sake, of which, you know, the, the, the body of Christ now is over a billion people. It's amazing, isn't it? These small starts. So they were a very interesting, important point point of history now we have obviously been a quite interesting point of history for the church um, around the world as well as as the world has been in this interesting time of of COVID and not being able to gather as we would normally gather as we'd like to and uh, even back then there was times when they couldn't meet quite as they wanted to because of persecution Uh, but they found a way didn't they they always found a way. And they had this symbol, didn't they, for these secret me- uh, meetings, uh, the symbol of the fish. You've seen them on people's cars. So if you see a symbol of a fish on somebody's car, as you're driving behind them, you think, oh, that's a Christian. Doesn't mean it's a secret meeting, but it does mean that they're Christian. So don't get in their car. That would be just scary, wouldn't it? If you saw a fish and just got in their car. Anyway, don't do that. Don't do that. But uh, the Greek word, that second Greek word, ichthus, you see, it's the symbol of the, the fish. So they found a way. They found a way to meet. Now, my previous church, there was a couple who came in who used to live in India, but they called David and uh, Shirley, and they went to live in the Middle East. And in the Middle East, the country that they were in, Christians weren't allowed to meet. They did not know where the local church was. They knew that they would be one. They would be some. They would be Christians meeting somewhere, but they had no idea where it would be. How do we find out? Because we'd have to tell people that we're Christians and we want to be part of a church. There wasn't a big sign that said, encounter church anywhere. And it took them six months to find out where the church was. But they found a way. They found a way. And over the centuries... People have risked their lives to find a way to meet with other believers. Now, obviously, over this period, we've had the blessing of uh, Zoom and uh, Teams and watching um, services online. We've been able to engage, and we're grateful for all of that. I've been really grateful for that personally. But let me say this, and I hope you don't mind my saying this, that if we can do otherwise... That our engagement shouldn't only be on line. It was there that helped us to engage for a purpose. It can supplement what we do. But the Ecclesia and Cornonia, that long term, I think God has it in mind that we gather together. I think that is his heart. And it says here that all the believers were together and uh, they continued to meet. And we are made in the image of God and God is very relational. Uh, that's the koinonia of God, fellowship. That's the third Greek word I've told you this morning. That's three that you've had. That's, that's the only three I know, so that's it. So, But it's very important, and I think you get the gist of what I'm hinting at here, to be connect with a group of believers in a very powerful and meaningful way. Now, we might say that, well, back then, back then, that they didn't have the technology. Otherwise, they would have used Zoom. <laughs> Who knows? But they didn't have technology back then. But the point is this if God, if anybody had the means to communicate to people without being there in person, it's God Himself. He can do anything. We only have technology because He helps us to understand technology. Yet the God of the universe, God the Son, invades time and space, comes and dwells amongst us. The fullness of God, the fullness of God in bodily form, in bodily form. That's amazing, isn't it, that he would come amongst us and dwell amongst us in bodily form all the fullness of God in bodily form. And we are the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ and He is the head. So even though all the technology is really good, it's great for us to meet in bodily form. And technology can enhance... It can enhance. Uh, a few years ago, we did uh, over Lent period. I'm not big into Lent, doing something for 40 days, but for a few years we did stuff for 40 days around the Lent period. 40 days with Jesus, 40 days of prayer. We did this series, uh, Better Together. And there's one year we just encouraged people. Well, why don't you know? The number 40 is quite powerful or significant in the Bible. Why don't just pray and do something for 40 days that God lays on your heart? And uh, our small group leader, Becky, uh, Dean and Becky, our small group leaders, and Becky, she just felt God laid on her heart that for 40 days, 40 days, she was consciously going to either text somebody or email somebody or WhatsApp somebody, and that she was going to encourage them. For 40 days that she was going to do that. So for 40 different people, she decided that whoever God laid on her heart she would send a message of strong encouragement to them. And, and she did that, and I think that we received one as well. But, so technology can really enhance what God has for us and enhance our communication. But as it says, doesn't it, that they t- continued to meet together on a regular basis, the ecclesia that they had. So remember that ecclesia means the gathering of the summoned, the meeting of the people, that is the ecclesia. And they met on a daily basis in the temple courts. Then it goes on to say, doesn't it, in verse 46, that they also met in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. So they met regularly in this larger number. Then it says that they also met in their homes with glad and sincere hearts. So they regularly they would meet from house to house. You read through the Acts of the Apostles, it talks about these mini house churches that people were meeting House for house. So basically, they had this ecclesia within the ecclesia, if you're with me so far. They had this ecclesia with the ecclesia. Somebody says this that the community of life in the Jerusalem church was enhanced by both the small group as well, as well as the large group experience. They enjoyed the intimate community of the Lord's Supper in homes, but received solid teaching in the larger gatherings. So this is Joel Kaminsky, Comis- who uh, wrote a book on the biblical foundation of small groups. Then he goes on to say this very quickly. says, some today look at the Sunday celebration as the true church, but sought small groups as less than real uh, part of the church. Others tend to prioritize uh, house churches as opposed to the gathered church. From the brief view of Paul's use of the word ecclesia, we see both views of the church as being important and also vital. Very vital that we come together as a large group, and vital at times that we have fellowship with others in smaller groups as well. This is consistent throughout Scripture, and it's consistent, and I've researched this small groups throughout history. It is consistent throughout the history of the church when God is really working, you had the larger group and you had the smaller group. There's something very vibrant about both that came together the ecclesia uh, within the ecclesia. So it says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So they came together as large groups and they were fed as a large community. They didn't just feed on takeaways, that uh, they had uh, that community where they were fed. And it says also in verse 43 that everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now I find that quite interesting. It says that the miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Now, obviously, that was in the power of the Holy Spirit. We do understand that, don't we? But it was the apostles that God seemed to be working through in that moment within these really large gatherings. Now, very soon, we'll start to invite people forward at times to to pray for them. I think we're in a position where we can start to do that. But it's interesting that it was was basically through the apostles that they did that. Now, of course, as, as followers of Jesus, we believe in something that we call the priesthood of all believers. That God can use each of us to pray for people and to bless people, to equip people, to empower people, to see people healed, to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. We believe as a church, as a denomination, that God can use each of us, which is wonderful. But it's interesting here that it is mainly the apostles. Now the thing is this, that it didn't continue to be just the apostles. Because what happened was, is when they started to meet in homes, in smaller groups that God began to use everybody. Everybody started to join in and to do what the apostles had been doing. And you read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, if you read the passage there on the ecclesia, the gatherings and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, it's quite clear that the apostle Paul is saying, guys, you need to meet in these homes and these smaller gatherings, and you all need to do this. You all need to share. You all need to pray. You all need to bring a... A psalm, or a scripture, or a word of prophecy, a word of encouragement—that you all need to get involved in doing this. And in the smaller groups, it's a great setting to do. It's not always easy to do it in a large for us all to do in a large gathering, but in a smaller setting, there's a great release of people being using the gifts of the Holy Spirit, not only within the homes but outside as well, because they built that confidence and they're great settings in order to do that. And signs of wonders became part of the church. So Sundays are exceptionally important, but it's not the only place for these things to happen in the smaller settings they can. Now, God has ordained you that there's many situations that we can encounter Him. Now, we call ourselves Encounter Church, and it's not a bad name, is it? Not a bad name to encounter the Lord. But there's so many different ways, so many different settings that we can encounter Him. Uh, Sundays, when we're on our own serving, Uh, as we encourage people, so many different settings. Now, I was thinking back, you know, what are some of the real settings that I've encountered the Lord Jesus, you know, the the Holy Spirit's presence? And there's been many, and um, I'm just intrigued when people share testimonies, but in smaller groups, it's, it's better to do that. I think, I think that the most tangible time that I sensed God's presence was when I was in South America. I was invited to go to Colombia. There was a conference there for pastors. I wasn't a pastor at the time. Leaders from all over the world were going to. Somebody offered to pray for me, and um, they said, why don't you pray and ask the Lord whether he's calling you to go? And I thought, well, if you're paying for me to go, do I really need to pray about it? So I went. Anyway. And I think it was the right thing to do. I think it was the right thing to do. Now, Colombia is quite a scary place. It is quite a scary place. Uh, Bogota. And uh, you had to go from the coach to the from the hotel to the conference and backwards and forwards. You didn't kind of make your own way there. Once we went into the town center, the shopping center, and I needed to get some cash out. And right standing right next to the cash point, with this guard, with this shiny silver pump-action shotgun. Do you know, it's quite hard to remember your PIN number <laughs> when somebody's guarding the cash point with a pump-action shotgun. I felt like giving him the money, to be honest with you. but um, So it is quite a scary place. But there's about 15,000 leaders from across the world meeting this conference center. And uh, it was a great conference. Then uh, I think I mentioned before that on the Saturday, the following Saturday the conference center was next to the football stadium and 80,000 people turned up. This one church fastest growing church in in the world. And they were there. The conference was quite intense. There was a lot of meetings but it was just inspiring to be amongst 15,000 leaders from around the world and seeing what God had been doing. Just as an aside the um, on one of the mornings, they said, this evening, the president of Columbia might come to our meeting. And I thought, oh, yeah, okay. Until we kind of pulled up in the coach, arrived closely to the conference center, and um, all over the roofs were these people with these marksmen, with <laughs> these soldiers. And I thought, oh, the president might be here. So the president of Colombia t- turns up on, in the evening. He quite inspiring, and he was he's a committed Christian. And the thing that I thought was wonderful is that his small group leader prayed for him on stage. I thought it was really good. Because he was part of a small group. He's part of a small group in the presidential kind of area. I thought it was really good. They really promoted Anyway, where am I going with this? So, what happened to this is that the conference was really intense. So, we, um, the next morning, or one of the mornings, I went down for breakfast. And there's a few of us sat around this table of about 10 people having breakfast. And we thought, this is really, you know, really tired. So we just thought we'd continue to have breakfast a bit longer and miss the first session. Oh no, I'm confessing that, missing the first session. All of a sudden, people started to share personal stories. And there was one man called Jimmy, Jimmy Dowds from Dumbarton in Scotland, who actually paid for me to go. And uh, I didn't know him, I didn't know him, he just paid for me to go, didn't know him. And he started to share his testimony about how he and his family, even though he's a church leader, his whole family, had they just weren't together. He said he really fell out with his son when he went to university. And their relationship was st- so bad that when her, his son was going to graduate, he phoned his dad and says, Dad, I've got a ticket for the graduation. So Jimmy was really excited. He turned up, and he says, I've oh, got the ticket. And his son said, i am not got your ticket. His son was so annoyed with his dad, he just wanted to phone him and say, I've got your ticket, so he would come. And then so he could tell him he's not got him a ticket. Now, Jimmy was sharing this and how God had changed their whole family. And I saw over that week how Jimmy and his son related to each other, and it was incredible. Every morning they'd come down for breakfast, they'd hug each other, their relationship was so strong. You'd never have known what had gone before. then Jimmy started to talk about his daughter. And he says about his daughter, had learning difficulties or certainly educational difficulties. She struggled at school. And he said, he was just sharing, I don't know why, but he said, we went to the parents' evening. And at the parents' evening, the teacher, one of the teachers, was a little bit disappointed. He says, your daughter has only got three out of ten in this particular test. Jimmy just looked at the teacher and said, do you know what? My daughter had never got three out of ten before. She's never got as many as three out of ten. And he, his daughter was 12 and went on to, uh, sorry, 9, he went on to uh, tell us in this group, and I don't know why he was sharing this stuff, and, and, he was sh- and they started to share, but his daughter, age of 9, leads a Christian union to her, her school for 30 of her friends. And they gather once a week, and they talk about the Lord Jesus Christ. She's got learning difficulties, and he was just sharing this, and... I will say, I've never felt the presence of Jesus as much as that moment when people were sharing around that table. Now, the the big conference played a big part, don't get me wrong in this. I mean, there was a context, it was just fantastic, the people from all over the world coming together. But it was in that smaller setting as people were, were sharing that the presence of Jesus really tangibly came amongst us. And uh, I went back to my bedroom and my friend Ken, who'd come with me, and uh, we just couldn't talk. Just couldn't. Well, we could, you know what I mean, but just couldn't, couldn't talk. Just. He I, I, was just so overwhelmed, but you didn't want to break the moment either. And there's just something within that smaller setting where God says, you can encounter me in this context within this setting. Now, I I really thank God for when we worship together. I love those settings as well, but there's just something about that tangible small group setting that God has ordained that I will come and meet with you. If you're, you're open with each other, open about me, I will come. And you'll have encounters and, and occasions of encounter that you won't have in any other setting because God has ad- ordained it in that way. So moving on very quickly G.K. Chesterton says this the man who lives in a small community lives in a much larger world in larger groups we can live selfishly and superficial and independently club like, it's in community that disciples are made so We read of the yearly church coming together. He says they had everything in common. And my last point to this, because time's moving on. It says they have everything in common. That is not just a throwaway comment. That is informing us of a miracle that was taking place. That they had everything in common. Now, let me quickly explain why this is miraculous. In New Testament times... Society was already in households. They had the different generations that lived together. They had their servants, they had their slaves, they had their masters, they had the owner of the household. There's usually about 15 to 20 people within this household, all from different levels of society, all different kinds of relationships or non-relationships. And they were, very, they were, they were ungodly places. They didn't reflect God's value because they were so hierarchical in how people treated each other. That's why in 1 Peter, you read the, the Paul's, uh, Peter's epistle, um, he talks about, doesn't he, uh, about how husbands and wives should treat each other, because they weren't treating each other well. He talks about, doesn't he, um, they talk about parents and children, because they weren't treating each other as well. Talks about uh, masters and servants, because they weren't treating each each other as well. So even though they had these communities, they, they, they were godless. They, they weren't godly at all. And that was the, the point here, that they, they had the community, but it was godless. But the interesting thing is, somebody says that rather than separating the believers from this culture, this setup, God transformed people living within the households of the structure of the day. So God transformed these households and people looked from the outside in and thought this is just extraordinary this is amazing and and that's why people were added to them because the way that the household started to treat each other it was amazing and you can read it all through the, the new testament and i could say a lot more uh, about it and it says that the way christians lived in community with one another in spite of their social differences made a profound impact that people looked on and thought, I want some of this. I want some of this. This is absolutely extraordinary. They looked on. They looked so attractive. Now, of course, we don't tend to live in households in the same way. Um, It's very rare that you have more than two generations within a household. Most just have one generation. So it's very rare to have these households like they had in New Testament times. So this is the point, and I think it's a good one. That whereas the early church saw transformation within these communities, the challenge for the West, particularly for those of in the West, in the 21st century is to create community where it doesn't exist. That is the challenge for us. It's not for God to restore or redeem a, a community that's already there. The challenge for us is to create community because it's not there. That is the challenge. And that's what we encourage to do. So if we're to emulate the, old, the New Testament, is to create community or to come together at times that the rest of the world looks upon and thinks, wow, they've got something there. This faith is real because of how they relate to each other. So 50 times it talks about one another. In the early church, they were incredibly intentional about their community and their faith, and they said it 's because of their, it was because of their vision for life together, the deceip, uh, deeper discipleship that they wanted they wanted to take the gospel out to impact uh, their lives on a daily basis they wanted to get it from being something that was in them to something that made it an impact outside and as Christians, we have to intentionally build community in order to express our faith, everything in common, and as a church as a Encounter church. We, we're going to go on this this journey as to what that might mean for us. We want to go on a journey because it's so important for us. So God, what do you have for us when it comes to Christian community? By the way, we're not all going to live together. We're not all going to live together. You wouldn't want to live... I mean, Wendy's the only person chosen at this moment in time to go through that. So, um, <laughs> but there's just something more for us, isn't there? There's just something more for us, and we need to be intentional about it. Now, some of you are, far, are part of Connect Groups. That's fantastic. This is not a criticism of those of you who are not, um, and that's why have this next period with the Well-Being series, that is something that we can do one-to-one with the Lord and meet with Him on a daily basis, but also we can um, benefit from the series for seven weeks. Uh, for those of you are part of Connect Group, as we look at these particular issues as well, and that's going to add to it i'm sure that's going to add to this particular well-being series for you and i am to encourage you if you're part of connect group that uh, the connect group leaders have got the material i've seen it it's fantastic i think it's really good a lot of testimonies a lot of stories you're going to love it if you're part of a connect group i'm going to encourage you to be there as much as possible over this particular series Uh, students have got their own connect groups as well so isaac and emily will have information about that if you're not part of a connect group uh, for this particular series, but you would like to be, then we'd like to invite you to be part of one. And as Jamie says, they, we have connect groups on, we're going to have them on Tuesday, Wednesdays and Thursday evenings and on a Wednesday morning. So if you're interested in being part of a connect group for that period and you're not part of a connect group, then we're going to encourage you to just sign up at the back. So put, whether it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and we'll try and find a place to accommodate you on Wednesday morning. But we'd, we'd love to have you involved if you'd like to for that particular series for those seven weeks. And, uh, but please leave your contact details, and uh, then we'll get in touch with you. But I just want to encourage you to do that. Now, uh, I've, I've talked a lot, uh, but on the website of Causeway Vineyard in uh, Northern Ireland, they're obviously ready into small groups, connect groups. And, when, and the strap line for their small groups is this. I like it. It says, be a big part of something small. Be a big part of something small. That means don't just go to one. Be a part of one. You know, be, you know, don't... I try to, you know, I remind myself that I don't go to a small group. I'm part of a small group. You know, that's a continuous thing. That's a continuous thing. It's, it's a wonderful thing. So just let me finish with this quote from GJK Chesterton again. The man who lives in small community lives in a much larger world. It's in community the disciples made so God just gives us all these different settings to connect with us and for us to connect with each other so I think it'd be good to pray together as a, as a response to this and uh, we've been seated for a little while so I'm going to invite everybody to stand if you'd like to stand uh, as we pray And as we pray, we are all in different situations, we are all in different seasons, but there's no doubt that God wants to bless us in our relationships with each other, and there's no doubt that we are better together. And it may be just in the, the quiet, as, before I pray, that you want to say to the Lord, Lord, what is on your heart for me at this moment in time? at this relatively early start of 2022. Maybe you've been a follower of Christ for many years, maybe uh, it's quite recent. But it's good for us to ask him, say, Lord, what is on your heart for me as far as gathering with other believers? It's great to see you this morning, but it may be that there's other things that God wants to lay on your heart uh, at this moment in time. Lord, we do thank you for each other. Lord, we thank you that we are following you because we see you in each other. We thank you, Lord, for all those people over the period of us following you that have been strong encouragements to us. We thank you, Lord, for those that have taught us. We thank you for those that have stood by us. We thank you, Lord, for those who have prayed for us, Lord. We thank you for those who have given us words of prophecy, maybe. We thank you for those that have encouraged us to serve. We thank you for those that have challenged us at times and pushed us forward a little bit. We thank you, Lord, that, you know, when you speak to us, often through other people. We thank you, Lord, for the love that we receive. We thank you for the support that we received. We thank you, Lord, for the way that you put us across people that knock off the edges because uh, we learn about ourselves. Lord, we do thank you for the body of Christ around the world. We thank you for it, Lord, in, in Birmingham, and in this area. We thank you, Lord, for it here at Encounter. And Lord, we thank you for the friendships that we have even within this church. Lord, we do thank you that you do something beautiful within your church. And Lord, we thank you that we are a part of it. And Lord, we commit to you these next few weeks. We pray, Lord, that our connections with each other would grow ever stronger. And Lord, that you'd use us as an encouragement for other people. So Lord, we do commit each other to you today. We pray that you continue to speak and lead us, Lord, in this whole area for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.